Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. Welcome back into the Lions 24-7 podcast. This is our first episode of Two for the Week, setting the uh, new pace for the show uh, moving ahead. Sean Fitz, Tyler Donahue with you, and we've got a lot of recruiting to get to a, a very eventful weekend considering the circumstances across college football and the shutdown on in-person recruiting visits. You'd think maybe things would slow up on the trail just a bit. If anything, we've seen increased communication by way of technology, teams in a bit of an arms race uh, competition to see who can get creative about having these kind of conversations, making moves with recruits. And we got some evidence that Penn State's in a good spot. Eight different players between Friday evening and Sunday afternoon putting Penn State on their list of top schools. We're going to break down some of those. A five-star in that mix, a quarterback in that mix, a couple receivers. A lot to talk about as the 2021 class comes together. We're going to have a commitment announcement to discuss and preview. That's coming later here in the week. And additionally, Bud Elliott. A new member of the 24-7 Sports Network. He's covering national recruiting for us. He's also doing a lot of big picture stuff, content creation. You're probably familiar with Bud Elliott from his time at SB Nation in the past. Uh, did a lot of work on the blue ship ratio, which is monitoring rosters on the rise across college football. Penn State's been a school that has consistently risen the ranks in that blue chip ratio. We'll talk to Bud about a lot of things, big picture college football stuff. Uh, micro stuff here on the Penn State beat. What do you think about this 2020 Nittany Lions roster? But first, Sean, as I said, um, a lot has slowed down in the sports world right now, but fortunately for us and fortunately for our audience, recruiting is not one of them. Yeah, that's uh, thank- <laughs> thankfully for us, no doubt. Uh, yeah, recruiting is not one of those things that slowed down. We mentioned a couple weeks ago, top list season, and that's uh, it- it's an interesting thing because we've seen everything from uh, Landon Tangwall top two to, I think, uh, Talik Robbins from Philly put out a top 17 the other day. So you were running the gamut from, from you know, something that's an actual cut down of a list that's meaningful to something where here's most of my offers. I cut, you know, Liberty or whatever. So, um, you know, here <laughs> that's kind of where we're at. Uh, that's really all we can do right now. It's it, and, and it's and it's something you know, it's that next step in the process. And sometimes it's valuable, sometimes it's not and talking about information. Um, but it, it, it's something to talk about right now. We're thankful for that. Um, you know, it, it, the, it, it's funny, because you look at uh, you look at most guys, and you can usually uh, formulate a top five for those guys. And it's usually pretty accurate. And we saw a top four from from quarterback Christian Valu this week that was pretty much on par. You, you can usually get, you know, three out of four. Uh, Tennessee was in that mix this week. It was you know, Clemson, Penn State, Duke, which I think everybody believes are the top three running. And then Tennessee's there. West Virginia was 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 you know, in the mix for a while. LSU just offered him last week, but 
think that was some gamesmanship, as we said on the show last week. So you can usually get a sense of where these guys are, top four, top five, maybe official visit uh, targets for them. Uh, Dante Thornton put out a top 12. You know, it's just it, it, they're, they're all over the map. You know, it is a, a, a look at me type attention thing. But, you know, that that's where we're at in the process regardless. Now that there's no visits, it's kind of just amplified. So um, it's, it's an interesting little uh, you know, segment of recruiting. And I know not a lot of people like it because like we said, it can run the gamut from two finalists to 20 teams. Or I think uh, it was a linebacker from Texas a couple of years ago that had a top 30. Uh, it's just, it, it, it's crazy how that works. What you said in the intro was interesting to me um, because there's, there's a lot of work going behind the scenes. And, and what I said last week, the theme of right now is visibility getting out there. And I, and I think it's probably overlooked a little bit and this might be something that we put together at some point because this is where we're at in a content production standpoint. But uh, the graphics that are going out right now are, are, are pretty interesting because a guy that, you know, maybe not a lot of people follow, Caleb Tyler, uh, heading up the graphic design department for Penn State football, um, doing a heck of a job with with getting out there, getting visible, um, bringing I'm going to sound old here, but bringing a lot of that pop culture into what they're trying to do with recruiting to to meld that, to get these guys to buy into what they're doing to sort of move Penn State up. You know, it's it's an antique of a program to a lot of these kids. So moving Penn State up with the times, so to speak. And and I think he's doing a really good job. I mentioned some guys behind the scenes are, are really doing uh, maybe work that that you know, you haven't heard of before. Jevin Stone is a guy that I mentioned with the video aspect, with the current team, um, keeping everybody in touch. Caleb Tyler doing a heck of a job with uh, with what he's doing with the graphic, uh, the graphic team, excuse me, the graphic arts design team that they're putting together. Because I think it's an investment wing. When we talk about building facilities and all that stuff, it's an investment wing that you really don't think about. But you know, it's become important. I mean, it's uh, these guys take that, uh, take take what these coaches send them. Put it right on their Instagrams. Put it right on there, and it's a it's a marketing wing for your for your entire program. Social media presence is vital for every company right now across the country, and college football is no exception. What you what can you do uh, without physically being present to put your brand out there and promote it? And, and that's part of it. And FaceTime as something that is a huge huge factor for this Penn State staff and Tyler Bowen when we when we had him uh, last week for a conference call you know he mentioned the fact that he's always been comfortable with FaceTime it's been part of his repertoire and how he communicates with with players he said this is going to challenge other coaches on the Penn State staff across college football to get up with the times a little bit and start utilizing some of this technology and you know I think that's going to persist you're going to see more tech savvy coaches coming out of this we'll see how many sustain uh, that kind of uh, that kind of momentum with with some of the new things they find out but you know he even you know we've heard from other recruits about Franklin having groups of prospects on really just to talk talk to them and kind of again try to provide that message on what he sees for Penn State football uh, even as coaches and players are scattered across the country and there's all this unknown you know football is going to resume and these recruits are going to be a part of it and uh, it, it's going to be interesting because I, I think you know you're, you're seeing these prospects come to a realization that there's a very real chance they won't be able to make any official visits and if they if they do they're gonna have to pack them into June as things stand right now and for guys who wanted to make preseason commitments and you hear it all the time I want it out of the way before my senior year so I can focus on my high school team focus on my friends I grew up with and go chase the state championship and, and already have college handled 
that's being thrown for a loop right now. So these top lists, they provide a nice indication, uh, but there's just so much hanging in the balance when, when a lot of these kids financially and their families are relying on the official visit and the ability to lean on that financial relief to actually go check out these campuses for a couple days. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I was talking to some folks earlier this week, Caden Prather put out his top five um, Penn State in there. And I was curious because, you know, some of these guys will do a top five and can't commit to four of the schools, can't commit to five of the schools sometimes. I mean, we've seen that before. Um, and then all of a sudden, you know, they, they, a couple of weeks later, they tweet um, 100% open, open back up, all that kind of stuff. But, so I was curious if Prather would go, and Prather's a really good prospect, and I like him a lot. And I think, you know, I, I think I have a uh, crystal ball pick in for Penn State, and I still feel pretty good about that. Um, but, uh, you know, Prather's a guy that got offers from Ohio State and Alabama and, and some of these other schools. And I was curious, you know, do you go for the the top five with the clout, with with the Buckeyes, with uh, Alabama? The window you, dressing. Yeah. Or, or do you go realistic? He went a little bit more realistic with, uh, you know, programs that he's, you know, I guess gained a relationship with. Uh, I, I, I hate to say realistic because it sounds like I'm, you know, crapping on uh, on his offer list. But, you know, that that's what we're at right now. When Alabama's got 300 offers out, um, Penn State's got 250, 300 offers out. I mean, it, there's there's a lot of offers you can't act on. And, you know, pray there for, for Penn State's an active target. You wouldn't say the same for Alabama. Probably wouldn't say the same for Ohio State. Uh, doesn't mean he's not a good prospect, but that's just how things work in recruiting. So it's uh, it's been interesting to watch uh, the the difference in, hey, is this a realistic list? Is this, a, you know, a clout list or anything like that? But uh, Prather's one of those ones. And like I said, I like where Penn State stands with him as a, as a good wide receiver prospect. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's, it, it's interesting to see, I guess, the, the difference in approach for some of these guys. There are times when the hat on the table, you know, leads you to say, "Hey, hey, kid, thanks for getting us, getting our brand out there next to some of the bigger ones. Thanks for considering us." And then sometimes you see a hat on the table, and you said, is, "Can this kid commit to us? Do we make sure he knows he can't commit to us?" And so there is a, a two ends of that spectrum for sure. Let's jump into some of these lists you just mentioned. We'll go quarterback off the top because this is a pressing position every cycle, and it's one that we've talked about quite a bit here. And Christian Veiu has been a name toward the forefront for toward the forefront for a long time. Uh, out of Ottawa, Ontario, uh, Penn State's had a lot of success recruiting in Canada. Uh, signed the country's top wide receiver and Malik Mega, the country's top tight end and overall prospect Theo Johnson. Uh, just this past cycle, they've got a few guys on the roster from Ontario, Jesse Lucetta, uh, Jonathan Sutherland. They had Daniel Joseph. He's in the transfer portal. And of course, way back in Franklin's first class, they signed that guy, Trace McSorley, but they also signed O'Connor, uh, a Canadian quarterback who was playing down at IMG Academy. Christian Veiu, the final four for him, as you just went over, Clemson, Duke, Penn State, Tennessee, LSU extended that late offer. So did Clemson. The Tigers are in that mix. And West Virginia, the school kind of left on the doorstep it would seem uh, this is an interesting final four. It's a, you don't not really the schools you see bunched together very often, Sean. But you're in the final five for for Caleb Williams. You're in the final four here for Christian Veiu, uh, and and you feel like you hit on one of these guys, you're going to feel really good about it. You miss on both. Uh, kind of, it's going to be a name that we're probably not talking about yet. Yeah, it's uh, it, it that Clemson offer just kind of throws a wrench into everything. Um, you know, he's been to Clemson, he's been to Duke, he's been to t- Tennessee a couple of times. I mean, 
you know, West Virginia was the school that we thought Penn State was battling at the forefront. Now Penn State uh, was thought to be battling Duke, and now all of a sudden Clemson comes in the mix, and they're going to shake up any recruitment that they decide to come into at this point. So it's, uh, yeah, it's one of those things that, you know, we're feeling good about Christian Bayou for a while there. Now it's uh, it's pretty tight, and without visits, I mean, this is a chance. He's back up in Canada, uh, back up with his family, and, and this is a chance for Penn State to uh, maybe let that Clemson offer, maybe let, let the luster wear off it a little bit, let it settle down, because he was supposed to be back, I think, last week. Um, now, all of a sudden, that's not going to happen, and, and maybe Clemson was planning on offering on the visit. I don't know. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's one of those things where you, you've got to get back and you've got to reset yourself and realize you're punching at a different level now with a with a prospect that you've been in on for a long time. I, I mean, I don't think he's he's gone by any stretch of the imagination, but it's, it's a lot tougher road right now. So um, we'll see where that goes. And, yeah, you're right. You have to keep an eye on quarterbacks, and that's where this uh, the spring period is a little bit tricky now. Kirk Shiraka is not going to be able to get out and see these guys throw in the spring. I mean, you mentioned um, you know a guy like Taj Bullock in New Jersey who's got some offers and, and has camped a couple of times. Didn't camp for Shiraka, but camped for the rest of the staff. And Lonnie White's very intriguing to me at Malvern Prep. Uh, in-state kid, of course, uh, Penn State hasn't offered a ton of Pennsylvania quarterbacks quarterbacks over the over the years but really really good athlete has built up that offer list I think he just got Tennessee last week um, got Pitt Boston College a bunch of the bunch of those schools um, you know really good uh, all-around athlete actually a Clemson baseball commit um, but he's a guy that uh, watching closely because you're not quite sure you know you felt good about Valu a couple weeks ago not quite sure where that thing stands uh, as of Tuesday morning Clemson has their hand in everything, it seems, at the quarterback position, at least what we're talking about it. You mentioned canceled visit for, for Christian Veyu. Uh The canceled visit for Caleb Williams that was supposed to be occurring upcoming after Easter to Penn State was going to, going to be crucial because the separating factor between him and Christian Veyu, when you talk about their relationship with Penn State, is Veyu has been on campus since Kirk Scirocco was hired. He sat down with him. He reviewed game tape. He felt like that was a very fulfilling process to go over a lot of that stuff and get a better understanding of how Nittany Lions were going to attack opponents in 2020. Caleb Williams, that's a vitally important part of the process. He's clearly a kid who thinks he's going to get to a campus and push for a starting job, and try to be that face of a franchise, and, and a lot of people believe he can do it. So uh, his relationship with the offensive play caller is going to be paramount, um, and to this point, that's been remote. So that's an issue. Um, but those are the two quarterbacks that we're, we've been talking about for a while. Uh, the offer went out to California a, a couple weeks ago. As you said, I mean, right now, no movement in terms of being able to visit anywhere. That makes things very tricky. Um, that was uh, Miller Moss was, was the quarterback out of California a couple weeks ago. Uh, going from quarterback to the receiver position, and these two often go hand-to-hand, especially the way they recruit each other um, when guys commit. Dante Thornton, he was the first commitment of Penn State's 2021 class last February. Stuck around the class for six months along the way. Saw him light it up on the camp circuit. We saw him really impressed at the 7-on-7 tournament here in Happy Valley last summer. Very much at that point, the jewel of the Penn State class had K.J. Hamler, James Franklin, Jared Parker watching very closely all day from their golf carts. Parker's now gone. Stubblefield is in. There are a lot of teams in the mix here. He's got a top 12, so it's hard to delve through much of this. His his list continues to expand. Oregon seems to be a school in a very good spot here based on reporting from 24-7 sports. But it's he has been back a couple of times, Sean, since that decommitment. It's not like 
ice has frozen over the relationship. He's been back for a game. He's been back for a junior day event, I believe, was his last trip up. Um, and he's clearly a kid that, if you heard our interview with Landon Tengwall last week, remains very high on Penn State's priority list. And Landon Tengwall sounded confident that they're going to get him back a full circle, but we know how difficult that is. The Micah Parsons situation, as strange as it was and as crazy as the conclusion was and getting him back that is very much an outlier when we talk about the reconciliation process where a player decommits and ultimately ends up in that same class oh there's no doubt about it I mean it's it's one of those things where you know it it doesn't happen often I think we said it when he decommitted that this is probably one that could come back around I mean you there's usually a pretty clear indication when it will and when it won't. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it, it's a very interesting top 12. I mean, I'm looking at it right now as a whole. I think Arizona State is a school that he's going to visit. I don't think that's going to eventually be the school. I don't think Florida State, don't think LSU, don't think Michigan. Notre Dame is in it. Oregon's very much in it. Probably we'll call them the leader right now. Distance is going to be interesting. South Carolina, uh, yes and no. Uh, Tennessee, I do believe, is in it. USC is intriguing. Jared Parker, of course, is at um, West Virginia. Uh, Virginia is in it as well. But, I mean, I, I look at that list, and like I said, you can usually pick out four or five, and I think we've we've pretty much done that. But, yeah, I do think he's he's interested in Penn State. I think it, uh, you know, he sat in that class by himself for a while, and that's uh, that's not an easy thing to do. Um, you know, I guess uh, eventually Nick Elksness came along, and obviously he's not in the class anymore uh, either. But, uh, you know, I think that, that trust is an interesting thing. When you get a guy like Landon Tangwall, who's a guy that had a relationship with Dante Thornton um, for, for a long time now, when you get him to jump on board, He's a high pro, another high-profile guy. You can see the trust. You can see why he bought in, and you could sort of rediscover that for for a situation like Thornton's that's so so uh, very much uh, rare at this point. So I, I think there is a real shot for Penn State. I think distance is something that uh, you know as it gets closer to making that decision always becomes a factor. Again, Oregon's in a pretty good spot right now, but is that going to be the case a couple of months from now? It's really hard to say. Um, without visits, uh, you know, Penn State's right there, sort of hammering away. It's one of those local schools. Obviously, Maryland's not on that list uh, uh, of his top 12 contenders, so that's uh, that's notable as well. So I think Penn State can keep chipping away. I think they have a, a, a good shot uh, to get back in, into the forefront or, you know, at the forefront of this thing. Um, we'll see how that goes when he eventually schedules visits, but I also don't, th- don't see Thornton making a decision at this, uh, you know, anytime soon. I think he's an All-American uh, type kid when he's going to, you know, he's going to announce at one of those All-American games. So uh, you've got time in this one. You've got a chance for uh, Taylor Stubblefield to build a relationship. And, you know, you're probably feeling pretty decent, all things considered, considering he, you know, he was once in this class and now is not. The 24-7 Sports Recruiting Director, Steve Wolfong, did report um, he's expected to announce at the All-America game, or at the All-America Bowl down in San Antonio in January. So whether or not he signs it during that early signing period in December and keeps it under his hat for a, a week or two, uh, we'll learn about that as things go on. But that, that does expand the timeline for him, opens the door for official visits, and this is a coast-to-coast recruitment. Uh, Thornton, by the way, just a year ago, was telling me how he was recruiting Landon Tengwall to the class, so it's funny how things... Uh, have shaped out along the way, and now it's role reversal. Last year, by the way, Thornton at Mount St. Joseph in Baltimore had not seen this his stats until just a few days ago. 38 catches doesn't pop out at you, but with them, he turned it into 1,021 yards, 16 touchdowns. That's about 28 yards per catch at six foot four and a half, 185 pounds. 
uh, impressive stuff out of Thornton. Uh, another uh, physically imposing wide receiver down there in Maryland at Northwest High School in Germantown uh, is Caden Prather, who, who you mentioned, six foot three, two hundred and ten pounds. I thought he was was quite impressive uh, up at Penn State last year on the camp circuit. Uh, another player who again it presents matchup issues with his length and that height. He is a one hundred percent crystal ball pick for Penn State at this point and that does include you that does include Steve Wiltfong I think those were both filed a little while ago but he is down to five schools Uh, and along with Penn State it's Maryland Oklahoma South Carolina West Virginia Oklahoma that one seems to stick out when you read through the list because of what they've done offensively in that passing game and where they are right now in the college football playoff hunt every year but again, I think Penn State's in a pretty enviable position here. We know they've got Liam Clifford on board at wide receiver or potentially defensive back, labeled as an athlete. So not really sure what the numbers are going to shape out for them at receiver this year. But I think the expectation is, considering what you've got at the top end of your roster with the older guys and and, and not having many of them anymore, probably a, a, a more of a larger receiver class once again for Penn State. Is that correct, Sean? I, I, you know, I think from a numbers standpoint, they would prefer to keep it small. But when you take a look at what's on the board with, with Dante Thornton and Caden Prather and Jaleel Farouk, and, you know, they've got irons in the fire all over the country at receiver. I mean, it's one of those positions that lends itself to taking more guys than you usually set out to do. Um, they took five last year, and that's including one junior college player. But, uh, you know, it's it's one of those things where you've got the talent. You know, if you've got the talent that wants to come, you're going to take it because that can be a game changing uh, position that we you know, that we've seen over the last couple of years with some with some uh, with some different schools across the country. So pray there's a guy I still I, I still like my crystal ball pick, as I mentioned earlier. Um, you know, Oklahoma is one of those ones that just keeps jumping up. And, you know, the, a lot of those guys in that area feel pretty good about their combination or feel pretty good about their connection with Caleb Williams. Williams is talking about recruiting wherever he goes and having people follow and, and all that kind of stuff. You know, Prather's there, uh, Farouk's there. Some other guys, uh, you know, say they want to play with him even even if they're not receivers. I mean, it's it's one of those crazy things. Um, but Oklahoma's going to pop up on a lot of lists. Right now, I, th- I think Penn State and Maryland are in the best spot right now. Uh, West Virginia, obviously, has got the connection with Jared Parker. But uh, I think uh, Penn State and Maryland are the top two right now. I think Penn State's the top number one. Uh, this, this is an interesting case because – you know, so 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 often we talk about Penn State and you know the the status of their recruiting right now as a top 10, 15. You know, you, you kind of wait a little bit longer to offer, especially those kids in the region. Prather's kind of the flip side of that. He came to campus very early. Excuse me. Uh, used to go to Dematha, didn't play a ton at Dematha as a sophomore, but but camped a, at Penn State and had a really good camp. Ran in the four fours for them. Great size. Uh, you know, looked fluid and all that kind of stuff. So Penn State watched a little bit uh, of his. I think it was his sophomore or junior year. I'm, it's it's all running together right now, um, but uh, they, they watched a little bit as he started to come onto the scene. And they were one of his first offers, so um, it, it's a kind of a shift in how they evaluate things, a shift in how they do things, especially with the in-region guys. And I think that's stuck around with Prather. And I think because of that. Even though they've had the changes at, at, as the wide receiver coach, even though they've had um, a lack of continuity in that offensive staff, I still think he holds Penn State, uh, you know, a little bit higher than 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 some of those other offers. 
Another example of how crucial the camp season was last year for Penn State, especially at wide receiver offers, you know, confirming things with Prather, confirming things with Liam Clifford and giving him the offer. Malik Mega got his offer, um, or, you know, reaffirmed his offer and solidified his spot on the target board with a strong performance in camp. Norvell Black showed out on camp to make sure he got an offer. And right now, if we wipe that off the face of the earth and don't have these camps, I think that is the biggest concern for guys like Tyler Bowen and, and, and the entire staff, James Franklin on down. Uh, if if they don't get looks at these guys in person, it's going to really uh, impact the way they can construct the target board. And I think most effectively with the 2022 class as they try to build that out. Uh, moving forward uh, elsewhere in the passing game, Brock Bowers is a guy you spoke with uh, coming off of his Happy Valley visit. He is one of five tight ends who are of the four-star variety, Sean, that have put Penn State on a top schools list since the start of March. So, you hate to lose a tight end commitment and Nick Elksness that you had for a while. But as we said, when that happened five weeks ago or so, there are going to be other options. Tight end recruits itself well here at Penn State, and Tyler Bowen is, an, is a rising star in the coaching ranks. That's a great combination with Pat Fryermuth at the forefront of this whole process and Mike Kosicki doing what he does in the NFL. There's a lot to sell your program on, and Bowers, he's a kid who you look at the measurements, six foot three, 225, maybe don't stand out just off the paper, but he can fly. Laser timed at 4.55 in the 40-yard dash. Went over 1,000 receiving yards, 14 touchdowns as a junior out in Napa, uh, California. And and importantly here, Penn State was on that swing that he took before the NCAA shut down recruiting visits. He went on a a three-school stop, I believe, Michigan, Notre Dame, Penn State there in in the first or second week of March, right before things went on pause. And boy, does that look big right now because it sounds like a kid who is veering towards leaving California, leaving the Pac-12, and he's got a lot of Pac-12 schools on this top list. Sounds like Georgia and Penn State may be emerging. It does. Um, you know, it's a, he had a good visit. He also went to, uh, to to Michigan while he was on that swing. He went to Notre Dame, Penn State, and Michigan. Notre Dame made the list. Michigan did not. So, you know, that's, a, that's an interesting data point because usually when you go on a trip like that, uh, you know, you kind of see the same thing in every spot. You kind of hold those schools in the same regard. So knowing that Notre Dame and Michigan, uh, you know, or excuse me, Notre Dame and Penn State separated themselves on that trip is just one, you know, one step forward. Of course, Bowen, uh, you know, has a pretty good relationship with all those tight ends. Um, and, and and we've mentioned before that they're probably going to get a pretty good tight end. Now, I think tight end is a, is an interesting position because of the lack of visits, because of the lack of guys that, that, that are able to, to get out unofficially and officially. You've got, um, you know, you got some pretty good names on that list. Thomas Fedone's out there. Uh, you know, he's a guy that probably wasn't going to visit unless it was an official visit. Nebraska, Iowa on top for him right now. Um, but it, it's just an interesting dynamic because when you're recruiting these guys and Brock Bowers is in Napa and Fedone's in Iowa and uh, Maliki Matavo is in Las Vegas and Michael Trigg in Florida, just, you just keep going down the list. There's nobody really in this, uh, in this region where you can just pop down for an unofficial visit for a weekend or so. So um, take some time, take some coordination. Uh, a guy that uh, probably we're not talking about enough out of Florida, Elijah Arroyo, was going to be up in late April for an unofficial visit. And now all of a sudden, you know, that, that sort of spun on its head. So you kind of have to wait around until these guys are able to take official visits. And you're not sure what that window is going to look like. Does the NCAA make a change, um, you, know, you know, where you're allowed to host guys in, in July or do you have to wait for a game this season, which isn't the end of the world. But at the end of the day, you know, uh, 
those names are going to start coming off the board eventually um, when they visit other places uh, closer to their home. So I think it's an interesting dynamic. I do think Penn State's in there with Bowers. I'm not sure that they're, you know, in that top uh, top two or three or anything like that. But uh, I think it's an interesting dynamic. It's going to come down to does he want to stay out west? Does he want to stay, you know, with a school like Washington that had some momentum early? Or does he want to, you know, blaze his own trail and, and see what happens? I was very, um, in, you know, very happy to hear that your wife uh, volunteered to go scout him out in Napa. I thought that was a very selfless act. <laughs> Thought you know you guys uh, maybe set up a trip when this is all over. Go see him if he's committed, if he's not. But she was very, uh, you know, very encouraged by reading that he was from Napa, California. That trip would be ninety five percent grapes and five percent dropping me off at the at his school, so she'd get back to the grapes. Write it that's off, man. That that's a, that's what you got to do. So. <laughs> Uh, Penn State, we talked about being on a roll with tight end recruiting. Linebacker, business is booming as well. Four five-star prospects signed in the last three cycles. Three blue chips coming in with a 2020 class. And now we turn our attention to 2021. Terrence Lewis, a five-star prospect uh, out of Chaminade Madonna Prep in Hollywood, Florida. That is the same school where John Dunmore was recruited out of a couple of years ago. And uh, he is a player who, this is a, a significant trim down. He's at 40-plus scholarship offers, now down to six. And this is another interesting mix of schools considering he is a Florida kid and there is no Florida school among his top six. His finalists, Alabama, LSU, Nebraska, Penn State, Tennessee, Texas A&M. His crystal ball right now, murky at best. Uh, there's actually 40% undecided, which leads the way. So that tells the story there. His last couple seasons, just to give you an indication of this six foot one, 200 pound linebacker, 200 plus tackles, 50 of them coming for loss and 24 sacks since his sophomore season. He is the number one overall linebacker in composite rankings. He has not visited Penn State, but we've said this about the Florida guys before. There is a proven track record that 48 hours on an official visit in Happy Valley can make the difference and push you over the edge that upcoming signing day. We just got to wait and see if it can actually happen for Terrence Lewis. It can, and that's uh, that's the thing that we've talked about, with, with especially with Jaywan Sider. I mean, he's been fantastic on the visits. Uh, I did a rundown on the on the running back recruiting yesterday on Lions 24-7, and you know, his name obviously is going to pop up with running backs, but you talk about bringing, you know, uh, three kids on a, on official visits last year, two of which uh, were, were on campus for the first time, and those two ended up committing and signing with you. That's uh that's pretty pretty you know crazy magic right there that that, that Jay Sider can work. Lewis himself uh, at Shamanah Madonna, he's moved around a little bit. Uh, you know, it's it's an interesting top six because usually when you don't have any in-state schools on there, that's I don't want to call it a red flag, but that raises some eyebrows. So Florida is a, a school that you know had had been in that for the longest time. Maybe they're still in it. Maybe this top six list uh, changes, um, but. I mean, it's really all over the board right now. Texas A&M is a school that keeps popping up. Nebraska is even a school that keeps popping up. So I don't want to say that there's just not something right about this top six, but it's it just catches my eye, maybe not for the best of reasons. But Penn State's in there. Penn State is in position to get an official visit. Whether that will happen or not depends on his timeline. Um, but at Shamanah Madonna, you've got Braylon Brown, who was set to take an official. you got Thad Franklin, the running back, who's committed to Miami, who we talked about for an official. And you've got some other prospects as well. Of course, John Dunmore's school. Um, so it's a it's a really interesting top six. Not ready to, to jump all in on the Terrence Lewis to Penn State train. Um, but uh, he's a top linebacker in the country. You put on the tape, um, you 
know, all, all alleged things aside, you put on the tape, that guy can fly. And Jaywan Sider was in the seats when, when Shaman Madonna won their state championship game back in 2018. John Dunmore scored a touchdown there. So got a nice rapport with that program, you would imagine. And, and this is the, the, the big man on campus right now for them. Although he is the new guy on campus, as, as Sean said, he's, he's bounced around a bit between some schools. Uh, and, and you mentioned Florida's absence. I don't think I pointed this out. He did spend a considerable chunk of time, just a few months, not a full year or anything, but committed to the Florida Gators. So them not being on this list does stand out and I think also the Miami Hurricanes when we're talking about South Florida talent uh, you know it's just another sign that Miami doesn't have that kind of gravitational pull that they used to have with guys down there. I think the big surprise he wasn't committed to Miami like most of the kids down there at one point were committed to Miami. Most freshmen yeah. yeah. (laughs) Uh, Moving ahead, another Florida Florida, uh, standout who is actually a a transplant from the Pacific Northwest. Interesting backstory there. Um, And and another top group here, Philip Riley. Now, he is actually a three-star. We've we've been talking about four-stars and five-stars, but the offer sheet doesn't look like a three-stars offer sheet. It has exploded this offseason. Penn State is involved there. They offered in mid-March. He's up towards 40 scholarship offers, six-foot. 90 pounds, 190 pounds, I should say. He's out of Bloomingdale High School down in Florida, but he transferred in last year out of Washington. He was living in Washington State. So Washington is one of his top schools. So is Minnesota, Mississippi State, Notre Dame, Texas, and Penn State there. So Terry Smith has been in steady communication here. The offer went out about three weeks ago. And this is a kid that, to be honest, I think he's turning a lot of heads, including mine, and making you kind of check in on who exactly he is, what his recruitment's about. Because you see the three-star, and it doesn't pop off the page. And then you see the offer sheet and, and where things have gone for him in the last couple months. You think this is certainly a prospect on the rise. And, and Penn State here in the mix for another Florida defensive back. Yeah, it reminds me a lot of Jordan Minor, to be honest with you. Uh, he's a pretty good player. Uh, he's got that size. Um, is he a corner? Is he a safety? I think that's something that will be d- uh, determined when he gets onto campus. But, yeah, I think he's a pretty good player. Um, you know, maybe not the the fleetest cornerback that you're ever going to see. Um, but, uh, you know, he's he, He's a good player. Uh, Notre Dame's in there as well. Some rumors that Penn State and Notre Dame have risen to the top of that list. Of course, Minnesota, Mississippi State, Texas, and Washington also on there. Uh, Can't write off Washington, given what Tyler said about him being from the Pacific Northwest. Uh, But yeah, I think Penn State, this is a time that we've sort of separated uh, a lot of those Florida offers from, you know, the realistic to not just just not going to happen, just guys that they're in on uh, to to offer to get out there and to to, to get, uh, I guess, an evaluation on them early. I think Riley is one of those guys that is realistic. Uh, There's a, you know, a few names that pop out down there, but Riley's one of those guys that when you talk to, um, you know, folks uh, on on this side of the recruitment, um, you know, it's a a realistic thing. And it's funny because some other guys put Penn State in their list this week and you just kind of look at it and be like, nah, that's, that's not it, but uh, Riley's a, a realistic guy. It's a guy that you can get up for an official visit over the summer, and if you do, you got a shot. You mentioned last week, Sean, the fact that Michigan is a spot for Penn State right now that they are doing very well in, uh, gaining that momentum. A couple names to know because they're always going to be attached as twins, Caleb and Kobe King. Um, 
announcement is looming now. Their, their decision is coming up for these guys. They both cut their, their list down uh, last week, and, and it's something that we addressed that put out a final seven. Um, we addressed this last week, and we, we hope to have Alan Treyu uh, on from who, uh, from 24-7 Sports Recruiting Network, who does a great job covering that area, specifically you know, in Michigan, always is, is the first guy to the front of the line when there's news breaking out there. Uh, but the Twins are trending in a big way. You've got crystal ball pick in, so do I. I know Allen does, and that was one that certainly caught our attention. Uh, but I think it's 10 for 10 now for Penn State. Um, I, is the announcement date out there? I know I know we get the sense that it, it is coming up soon, but these are a couple players uh, on the defensive side of the football where Penn State adds them uh, out of Detroit. We're talking about another name in a moment out of Detroit. This class could get quite a bit bigger in a hurry. Yep, some Detroit flavor, I think, coming Penn State's way. But yes, uh, Kalen King, I believe, said he's going to announce on Friday. Uh, uh, I guess that's the 10th. And uh, sorry, I, when you got to look at a calendar to, number one, realize what day it is, and number two, what, realize what month it is, you're in trouble. Um, but it is, yeah. the, uh, it, it, that's the 10th. Uh, you know, Kobe hasn't come out and said he's announcing on the 10th, but they're twins. And uh, with, you, you know, with all respect to Kobe, Kalen's the, the higher ranked of the two. So you would think that they're going to do it together. Kobe hasn't come out and, and confirmed that. But uh, yeah, it could be, a, could be a good couple of days for Penn State. Jalen Reed set to announce on Thursday. Um, we said last week the, the crystal ball was in for him. This week, uh, or I guess over the weekend, uh, the King Twins—you uh, st- you start to saw that crystal, start to see that crystal ball go. Both guys, um, you're talking Penn State, Wisconsin, and Michigan, and I think uh, Penn State's a pretty pretty good spot there. It's a, it's interesting how those things come on the heels of you know our, our Detroit momentum piece because you talk about uh, you know where Michigan is right now and and really. I don't want to call it floundering because they've got some good guys in their class, but really not where you think that think they should be as as a program like Michigan. But Penn State's starting to surge there. Uh, Jalen Reed set to announce on Thursday. Maybe the King Twins follow on Friday. And then all of a sudden, you've got a guy like Jamari Budden at Belleville um, who put out his top list this week. Uh, does that uh, influence him? Does that uh, sort of make him think a little bit more about Penn State? Because Michigan has seemed like the school from the start with for Budden. But all of a sudden, you know, that's tough to ignore when a couple of your buddies are are, are looking at a school and, and possibly committing to a school that, uh, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to shake some things up, I think. Yeah, how could I forget Budden? Another top list that came out on Friday night, and, and and that one had Penn State in it. Right now, his crystal ball is all Michigan Wolverines. But as you said, relationships could be in play here, and Penn State could have uh, quite a bit of a tug if, if they're able to get some of his friends on board and, and, and have them recruiting on, on the Nittany Lions' behalf. It's going to be interesting to see how things go there. By the way, some of Michigan's recent takes in their 2021 class have Raise some eyebrows in Ann Arbor, I think, among that fan base. And certainly, you know, just, just covering college football, you know, certainly turn your head at this stage of the cycle to see what they're doing with that class and who they're bringing on board. I don't want to shortchange anybody. Uh, you know, kids could go on to become All-Americans there in first-round NFL draft picks and prove everybody wrong. But I, I tend to trust our guys at 24-7 as they evaluate um, and just seeing some of their responses to, to some of the, what the Wolverines is doing. You know, that that makes me take pause as well and and you know big 10 it, it, it's Ohio State and it's everybody else and that's the way it's been for uh, a while now and Penn State was able to break through in 2016 but Ohio State is a three-year uh win streak in terms of taking home the, the conference title and then there's that next team and I think this you know Penn State gaining traction as, as cementing themselves with that next team and that extends to the recruiting trail because right now uh, I just you know you wonder where Michigan's at 
It's it, it it's been crazy to watch, and and you're not going to you know talk poorly about the kids, but it, you know from from our standpoint, if we ran a message board at Penn State and this was the direction that they were going, that'd be a tough couple of days. So um, you know it's uh, it, it's really interesting to see which direction that goes in, especially with the reputation that they have of taking guys early and then sort of jettisoning them uh, right before National Signing Day. Um, it's uh, you know, it's not ideal. So we'll, we'll see what happens with Michigan. Uh, obviously, you're right. Everybody's chasing Ohio State, uh, certainly Penn State included in that mix. And, you know, you got to uh, got to hit on some of your top targets. And, you know, right now, Michigan, the, it, it's tough to see what their target list looks like because they're just kind of pulling guys out of the blue. Yeah, and look out if Penn State gets, starts to really get involved for Donovan Edwards, the the prize running back up there. You're gonna have some really angry Wolverines fans because Michigan has been pushing hard for a while there. Penn State trying to to kind of make its move at this point, along with a lot of other schools, including Georgia and Alabama. And if that kid leaves the state, then that's that's turned into a rough cycle for the Wolverines. By the way, in case we did not mention, Kalen King, a four-star cornerback, and his brother Kobe King projected to play inside linebacker. He is evaluated as a three-star by 24-7 Sports. Uh, from top lists and, and upcoming commitments to a new running back offer in Texas, uh, running back's an interesting one. There are a lot of names from a lot of different regions right now for 2021 to keep an eye on. Uh, some of the bigger headliners from earlier in this cycle have decided to go elsewhere. Um, and for Penn State, you, you take a look now at Alton McCaskill, the round 19 pick for your squad in the 24-7 sports recruit draft. And I think it was within hours of your selection, Penn State also makes their move on McCaskill, extending an offer. They, they gave it a day. I think they, you know, <laughs> they, they took some time to evaluate who made the pick. And then, you know, they needed some time to actually do some research on their Alton McCaskill is a guy. So I'm doing this draft at 24-7 and it's done um, with, with 10 other, or excuse me, nine other uh, team recruiting people. And uh, by the way, nice job on the quarterback pickup late. That, that's an impressive ad that late in the state. Yeah, it's funny because uh, I got Jay. J. McCarthy, and that sent waves throughout the draft room uh, for the, for the Penn State uh, publisher taking the Michigan quarterback commit, um, especially so late. So it, I, I don't know. It, it, it's 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 funnier when you see it, but uh, yeah, no. Uh, Alton McCaskill's a guy. Um, so I'm looking for a running back, and Kamar Wheaton, um, you know, is the number one running back by the 24/7 composite rankings. He's out of Texas, and he was on the board so long that I thought he was off the board last week, and a lot of other people in the draft thought that as well. Shea Dixon from our LSU site ended up picking him up, I think, in the 18th round. So I decided, okay, it's time to get a running back. So I'm looking at running back film all over the country, and there's these, you know, there's these top-rated guys, and and let's be honest, uh, top-rated running backs aren't always a sure thing. Um, so I'm like, okay, let's find something else. Let's find a profile that we like. Obviously, a profile that I like is Saquon Barkley, and Saquon is, you know, six foot. He was 195 pounds, 200 pounds when he was a prospect, and, you know, great speed and a lot going in. So, okay, let's find something, you know, you're not going to find Saquon, but you're going to find somebody, you know, maybe that fits that profile. And, and, and in a year, you know, bringing this back to Penn State, in a year where, you know, guys are off the board, Trevion Henderson to, and, and Evan Pryor to Ohio State, Brandon Campbell to USC, some other guys off the board, maybe that's a direction that they go in. And that's a direction that took them to Journey Brown a couple of years ago. So find a profile that you like, find some some traits that you like. So I'm going through and I find uh, some guys that fit that frame. And, you know, I'm looking at speed and, and all of a sudden this guy jumps out to me from Texas and He's got a 10.9, uh, hundred meter on file. I look at his tape. I'm like, 
all right, this kid can put put his foot in the ground and go. Um, so I'm like, uh, it's a 19th round. Uh, not not to say that I'm getting tired of the draft by now, but you know, it's it's been wearing on you for a couple of weeks. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to take this guy, see what happens, and I take him. And Mike Roach from our Texas site, one of our Texas guys that gets out and scouts these guys, he's like, man, I've been saving that pick for a long time. This kid is is the real deal. So may, number one, made me feel good about my choice. Um, you know, Penn State. Had heard of the kid, um, you know they they hadn't moved on the kid, but didn't take long for for Jaywan Sider to get in touch. I talked to McCaskill a little bit uh, over the weekend. He said he's intrigued by what Penn State's been able to do, and and that's a position that, like we've said, can can recruit itself. And uh, all of a sudden, he's got an offer, and he's on the running back board. So that's uh, that's how quickly things can move. Uh, I'm not saying that uh, that I discovered him by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, never hurts to have that little nudge. And and, and Alt McCaskill got a Penn State scholarship from it. He's going to continue to pick up all. Offers, I think, all over the country. I think he's on the verge of blowing up. Florida State offered this week. I think he got four offers over the weekend, including Penn State. So moving in that direction, and we'll see if that uh, that's something where you know Penn State getting in relatively early can help them get an official visit. Maybe get them on campus. Ladies and gentlemen, that is how Sean Fitz discovered the next great Penn State running back. I'm going to hear that story for years, and I'm sure it will get better and better. Um, yeah, it's an interesting board, by the way, Sean, for our, for our VIP subscribers. Uh, has a, 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 the mini board up for the running back position. A lot of names on it, as I said, from a lot of different places across the country. Uh, who were the viable options for Penn State at this point? Coming off of back-to-back cycles in which they signed a pair of four-star prospects. And when you evaluate that running back room right now, Five scholarship players in 2020. Only one of them, uh, Journey Brown, a redshirt junior, is going to be eligible to leave for the 2021 NFL draft. So should be retaining plenty of talent there moving ahead and then adding uh, someone in the 2021 class. Um, Sean, we've talked a lot recruiting. We're going to jump into it with Bud Elliott. Anything else you want to add before we uh, maybe anticipate some additions later in the week to Penn State's class? No, I don't think so. We're going to be talking. Uh, I think we get Kirk Shiraka and we get uh, Tim Banks, I believe, to talk uh, talk team stuff uh, on Zoom in the next couple of days. So there'll be a little bit more team on the second episode of this week. But no, that's about it. I'm anticipating seeing one of our co-executive producers pop her head in and uh, tell you it's time to get going. So uh, (laughs) I think it's time for us to wrap up as well. All right. Uh, Well, we'll jump into it with Bud Elliott right now. We're going to talk about the widespread ramifications of this uh, virus on college football. What is next for recruiting? What is next for the on-field action? And we're going to focus in on Penn State. Bud does a great job keeping tabs of personnel across America. Where does this Nittany Lions 2020 roster rank in terms of talent? What is its expectations uh, for the year ahead? Uh, We'll jump into that right now. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 
15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odyssey podcast. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. As promised, we bring in uh, the new big fish that 24-7 caught and brought on board. Bud Elliott, we're excited to have him. Uh, Bud and I have crossed paths on the camp circuit, watching a lot of recruits over the years. Um, like many of the guys I get to work with now, 24-7 Sports, really excited to call him a teammate. Bud, welcome to the Lions 24-7 podcast. Connor, I'm glad to be here. You guys run an awesome site over there, and, and I, you know, like you said, I'm glad to finally be on, on the same team. It's just that you know, when they recruit me over here, I just you know, I got to thinking, I was like, man, there's so many people over in this company who, who know their stuff and, and work hard and, and you know, do things the right way and are creative, and it's it, the place I wanted to be. Well, Bud, you're wearing a lot of hats for 24-7 sports. We're going to stick with origination editor and national recruiting analyst because we're going to get into both those conversations. You've been doing a, a lot of unique commentary and considering what we are now facing with the coronavirus crisis in college football and those those different paths crossing, there is a lot to get into. And, and you know, I'm recording this from home. You're recording this from home. I'm used to this kind of lifestyle. College football coaches are not. They are control freaks. They're always involved. They're always at the office. They keep tabs physically on their staff, on their players. Right now, everybody's working from home. You had a piece up on 24-7 Sports, I believe it was yesterday, about how players, coaches, everybody evolving, adapting. What are you hearing from across the country? Yeah, so one of my main goals with, with 24-7 has been, like, let, let's leverage our recruiting analysts who talk to coaches every single day into some really fun national stories it gives a, a broad perspective throughout the industry and we had our guys reach out and I, I reached out to my contacts and they're basically saying hey like we're on zoom 10 12 hours a day we, we start with, with with staff meetings they're trying to replicate essentially what they would do in a normal day in office uh but just do it over zoom or, or over some type of video chat and, and so they, they start out with their staff meetings and then they're allowed i think two hours uh per week or something as far as meeting with players with scheduled meetings, which of course they follow that to the T and, and uh, I was told by, by one of my, my coaching contacts that the way they get around that is it basically be like, if the player comes to your office, then you can talk to him. So as long as the player initiates the, uh, the, the Skype call with the coach, then it doesn't count towards the two hours in, in the minds of uh, some of the coaches that we spoke with. And then they, uh, they definitely don't review the, the progress of the player workouts uh, that, that are being you know happening in, uh, in the players 
uh, home or, or wherever the kid's supposed to be able to work out. Uh, the NCAA sister are not allowed to do that. So, of course, none of them are, uh, are reviewing any of those. None of them have set up Instagram accounts specifically for that purpose. And uh, certainly none of them would send Apple Watches to every single player on their roster to monitor their workouts. So it, they're really just totally disconnected from all the players out there. They have no idea what's going on. Uh, but no, seriously, like they, they're monitoring this stuff as, as best as they can. And yet, Tyler, they're still freaking out, man. Like I, I had one coach tell me, he's like, look, I got one kid who I want to be 300 come camp. And I think he'll be 330. And I got one kid. I want to be 300 come camp. And I think he'll show up at 270 because we just don't know like what they have access to on a consistent basis. Do they have transportation? Like what kind of calories are these kids getting? And like you said, these coaches are control freaks and they don't have as much control now as they normally would. I probably should have prefaced this conversation for our listeners by telling them to turn their sarcasm barometers all the way up when Bud Elliott joins the show. And I think you may have left some people in the wake there for a little while wondering where you were going. Um, but you talk about it. I mean, look, the, the coaches are going to have their finger on the pulse of these kids uh, and if different corners of the country. Some of these kids are international. Penn State has a few players back home in Canada. Um, you know, that's a, that's certainly a concern. And I think about all the off-field issues that – Coaches, you know, have nightmares over when it, we're just talking about spring break, winter break, uh, a little bit of time at home for the summer. Where does that start to pop up? Now, clearly, we're all being encouraged to stay in our homes, and, and that eliminates some of the the stuff you can get into when you leave your front door. But how prevalent is that when coaches are talking about how they're what they're facing and how they're trying to manage it? I, I think it's it's certainly pretty prevalent. All these coaches are hoping that their players stay at home and, and practice social distancing. But certainly, uh, just just like if you're a parent, you, you usually have that one kid in the back of your mind you, you're kind of worrying about. These coaches are, you know, they, they got 85 kids, and there's probably about 10 or 12 on a roster where, where they that keeps them up at night and say, oh, man, I hope I hope nothing happens when, when he's back down, you know, back down there, uh, wherever there, you know, wherever there is. And, and I'm kind of surprised we haven't seen more player back home gets in trouble stuff uh, just because they're they're bored uh, w- without much to do I know they're playing a lot of video games and you know you hope that most of them are just keeping in shape and and focusing on their school uh, but like there's so much these coaches want to control like they want to control and monitor exactly what you know this player is eating and working out and how his school's going and right now they just can't do it in the same way you know like I had a coach tell me, he's like, hey, like I don't know what this kid weighs. He doesn't know what he weighs because his scale at home doesn't go above 325, mm. right? Like, no idea what, 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 what this kid is. And the coach is like, man, the last time he lived at home with his mom, he got up to 370. You know, when he, when he went and played ball and lived with his dad, he was fine. And now he's back, now he's back staying home with his mom. I've had coaches raise issues to me. What about rehab? A lot of these kids put off surgeries until January, February. They have their surgery. They're on a pretty tight rehab schedule. They have to get it done in order to be back for you know camp, which generally starts in, in August. And these coaches are bringing up issues like, okay, well, what about what about insurance? What about like getting our rehab program to translate to somebody down where, where that or up where that kid is, wherever he wherever he lives? Doubly so concerning for international prospects who who've returned home. Uh, you know, like like you said. And there's issues of transportation to those places. And some of those places, as far as you know, getting your rehab worked out, are closed. Like, they're not 
necessarily open due, due to, to the virus. So th- this is kind of a, a big can of worms. Um, and some schools, I think, are a little bit better set up to, to kind of weather the storm than others are. That leads right into the question of how much time is going to be required. You can't expect kids to get to campus Labor Day weekend and hop on the football field for, for a game uh, the next Saturday. The, the question here is, you know, what's the time frame? We, we spoke with Penn State Athletic Director Sandy Barber uh, last week. She suggested 60 days would, would be kind of at least a comfortable feeling. You know, James Franklin said it's something that they're trying to figure out logistically because the health and safety of their players is paramount right now. Um, you know, are you getting any kind of feedback that would suggest the 60 days is, is maybe a, the, the normal range? Or are you hearing coaches saying maybe it wouldn't require that long? So I, I do hear the 60 day thing from a lot of coaches, but you got to remember that coaches are interested in coaching their teams. And Tyler, I don't know about you and your conversation with coaches, but with me up until probably like the third or fourth week in March, a lot of these coaches thought they would have their, their guys back on campus within a month. And I'm like, guys, I, are we watching the same news? Cause like what I'm seeing is like Ohio state just closed campus for the entirety of spring. I'm pretty sure you're not going to have your football players on campus. If campus is closed, right? Like, like it seemed like they were operating in a little bit of a different reality. So my opinion on this is basically, I think that you have to separate quality of product from safety of player. If we need 60 days to ensure player safety and, and the coaches are saying, hey, because football is a, a collision sport, we're going to need a legitimate 60 days to ramp up, make sure these guys are actually in game shape, they're ready to take hits, then I think that, that they might get their 60 days. If the real reason for it is the quality of the television product, I, I think the TV people would rather just have games on because people are going to be so eager just to watch anything. And so they're going to want these games uh, to, to start on time. 60 days basically puts us at what? Like needing to, to have some form of, of camp July 1? I think the first right game for the year is like September 1, you know. Um, I I would be surprised if they get a full 60 days. If Maybe 45 days? Like, is any coach really going to complain that much if you give him 45 days to get ready? That's, that's like almost seven weeks. When football resumes and and let's all hope it's it's in early september and and we're on track and and everything gets back to normal and whatever that means when the time comes but uh, it's this theory that you can do this in front of empty uh, empty stands and empty bleachers and empty stadiums and uh, something else we addressed with the athletic director here last week uh bud and uh she was pretty quick to say you know i don't know how that marries between having kids on campus because uh, if kids can't be on campus and, and how can they be in the stadium? And if kids can't be in the stadium, then how can they be on campus? You did a, a rather thorough write-up on that, that theoretical possibility of playing in front of an empty Beaver stadium or, or any stadium across the country. Why doesn't it work? Yeah. So I, I think this is something where we have to specifically look at team sports compared to other uh, other a- avenues of sport, right? You could probably make the PGA Tour thing work with with, with no fans. And in fact, the PGA, they tried it, right? For like that, that one day, uh, and then they ended up shutting it down. But football, you have 100 players, if you if you count the walk-ons, basically on, on each sideline. And combined, you probably have another 100 between two teams of support staff of what? 100 people between coaches, training staff, all those type of people you need to put on game day. 
that's really not much of a solution if you if your goal is to avoid having large crowds because then you already have a crowd of 300 who are going to be in close contact with each other. You know, people people are spitting. There's 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 sweat all over the place. I mean, it's football is really probably probably the least conducive sport to social distancing, and, and I don't really feel like like that is a a realistic model for football. Probably not for basketball. Um, and, and certainly not, not for hockey, uh, either. And so the only thing that's going to get us back playing is, I don't think we have to go as far as saying like a vaccine, but I do think that the, uh, medical and hospital infrastructure has to be at a point where it is no longer overwhelmed. And, and Sandy Barber's point, I think I got the name right, right? The, the Penn State AD, um, you know, the point made there, think about the optics of this. It's one thing to ask pro athletes to play in, a, in an empty stadium because they're being paid and, and they're being paid to assume some level of risk. Now, you might argue that that is too much risk to assume, right? Like catching coronavirus from banging into a bunch of people, but at least they're being paid for it. Here, think about the message it sends if you say, yeah, we're not going to allow these students to get too close to each other. And so we're going to keep the stands uh, closed off. But these students who we don't pay, but who we do make millions of dollars off, they're fine, right? Like that is not really the right message to send. Uh, and so for that reason, I, I don't think empty stadiums is really a solution for, for college football. And the concern for me whenever I think of this scenario is the Tuesday or Wednesday after that first weekend of games, wh- when a player gets sick, gets identified with, with having coronavirus, then his team and the opposing team from the week before, what do you do? You quarantine both teams for two, three weeks, and what happens to those games in the schedule? And it's just such a domino effect, and it's it's, it's obviously part of the logistical nightmare that we're facing. Speaking of of, of bad scenarios that, that are encountering uh, across college football, recruiting right now, the official visit window that we have really come to, to assess in a large way here early in the year, the last couple of years, it, it's going to be wiped out, it looks like. At least through May 31st, no in-person visits. Uh, this window goes April to June. A lot of players were counting on this opportunity because they wanted to get commitments in before their senior seasons, as we hear over and over again on the recruiting trail. Um, f- from your r- reporting, I, 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 it seems there is a bit of an arms race, uh, as usual, in recruiting and ways to get creative uh, while not being able to, to get hands-on with the recruitment. Yeah, so uh, all these schools right now are trying to Skype with kids, FaceTime, et cetera. They're, they're trying to use TikTok to be more, more creative and, and relate to the kids. Uh, and I, I wrote about just different ways that, that schools are, are trying to connect with, with the recruits right now who are at home. One of the ways that I thought was, was pretty creative, and we saw uh, I know Purdue was doing it and Texas A&M and Florida State and, and probably some other schools as well, but those are the three that I saw uh, most prominently, so that's who I featured in the article, uh, but they're, they're setting up video games and video game tournaments, uh, pitting players and staffers and uh, coaches against current recruits. And the, the way that it was explained to me uh, was, look, everybody's all competing to try and get this kid on a FaceTime chat. But like these kids don't necessarily want to chat with coaches all day, especially not like the real top ones who, who were trying to recruit. But if you get this kid to, to take a Madden invite, you might have 30 or 40 minutes of his undivided attention. Now, he's looking at the screen, he's playing video games, but he gets to be himself. He gets to actually talk to your coach for a solid 30 or 40 minutes, and that's not something that happens all that time 
you know, all that much on FaceTime. Many of these kids have a little bit shorter attention spans and they don't necessarily want to talk for that long, especially not with all these schools, you know, bombarding them. But you get a kid playing video games and, you know, you jump in a big Call of Duty match with them. Like, that's something that uh, that these kids will enjoy. And they all have the headsets because they all want to play online and, and play live. And so uh, the schools that are capitalizing on that, I feel like are doing uh, doing really well with that. I thought it was kind of neat. That is interesting. And I, I, I hate to use the term bait, but it feels like, you know, they're kind of casting out the bait there and, and seeing if they can get somebody in and, and maybe kind of get attracted to it and, and, and you know, kind of subconsciously being involved in a 40-minute session when otherwise, like you said, staring at the face of a 50-something-year-old coach for 40 minutes on your couch in your living room, that's not the same experience. Now, and check this out. If you, if you set it up in a tournament style – and you know that the first coach that you you pair against the kid is not that good, that kid's going to win. So now you have a return date with that kid, another FaceTime call with yet another coach, basically, over the video game. (laughs) Tangled web that that they're weaving there. Uh, Yeah. Now, a can of worms here, and this is something I really didn't think about until you wrote about it, cancellation of SAT, ACT tests. These are so important, uh, especially for a kid who may not carry the GPA. Um, a lot of schools are waiting on those scores to officially be able to get the green light to sign players down the road here in the 2021 cycle. What happens and, and how much open-endedness are we possibly looking at? So I, I'm not aware of like how many dates are going to be canceled, but certainly a lot of the dates in March and April uh, were canceled. And, and this really affects sort of two different schools, right? This affects the schools that have pretty high academic standards and need to see an SAT score before they go ahead and, and pull the, the pull the uh, trigger on making an offer. So that that's that's kind of the one side of it. And, th- and that affects pretty much all schools, but especially the schools at, at the top end. The other part of it is there's actually a 2020 impact here, which could be a real kind of messy situation where some schools that recruit on the other side of the coin, where they're taking a lot of kids who are, are you know a little bit uh, less solid academically, and are, are borderline to get into school, if those kids still don't have a satisfactory score on their standardized test, what's the NCAA going to do if, let's say, like, let's say there's just one per school? That'd be like 130 kids out there. Is the NCAA going to say, nope, go to junior college? Are they going to say, all right, well, we're just going to make you take an academic red shirt in, in, in your first year at the school, which is something that, that's already in practice, are they going to give these kids waivers if their scores are are close because of the lack of opportunity to take the test? I mean, really through, you know, n- n- I guess you could say no fault of their own, at least with respect to the offerings that were that were canceled due to the virus. Uh, but yeah, that's just something that came up. I, w- I was chatting with a coach, and he's like, uh, "Yeah, man, we got three kids who we're kind of worried still don't have their test score, and they're supposed to be enrolling here in June." I was like, "Oh, uh, yeah, that's." Uh, Hmm. Okay. Yeah, there's interesting so, to follow. So much in the air right now, and and you could talk about that forever. But let's shift gears to the 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 one sustaining element of college football, and that is the recruiting aspect. You know, visits aren't on right now, but offers are going out. Uh, Penn State alone ended up being featured on, I think, eight top school lists just this past weekend. So there's movement. There's stuff to talk about. There's momentum that we can kind of analyze. But early on, uh, Bud, you're you're on this. You know. 
on this national recruiting scene with 24-7 Sports, sharing the conversation with a bunch of the analysts that we've had on here before, what's your early takeaway? Because we just saw recently the, the initial top 24-7 for the 2022 class. There's an update on the horizon uh, for the 2021 class in that pecking order. You've been monitoring the rankings from afar uh, for years now. What's it like to be in the thick of those conversations? You know, it's honestly, uh, it's a lot kind of how I, I thought they would be. Everybody's, you know, really professional uh, there. So, like, I, I, there's not a whole lot of, like, dirt to dish. Um, I will tell you that one thing I've noticed is there's very little discussion about where a kid is committed. And I thought there would be more, right? Like, I thought there would be more of, like, hey, this school took him, so, he, you know, they, they, they must really believe in him. Um, that, that to me is interesting. Now, one bit of information we, we, we do get is, Hey, this, this school is an like has offered him, but they're telling us it's a camp offer. So like, it's not a committable offer. And that's useful information to know. I, I think if you ignore what offers a prospect has, uh, then you're not using all the possible data that you could use to make the most accurate rating. So it is useful to know. Uh, like, yeah, this, this kid has an offer from, you know, from this school and this school and this school, but turns out like three of those are, are actually not, uh, not committable offers. Um, it's, it's pretty neat, the system that we use. So, uh, it's obviously the, the traditional rankings council and then all the regional, uh, all the regional recruiting analysts. And then this year, uh, we've actually added a, a pretty cool thing, which I like, which is a, a form for all the team side analysts to submit their feedback on players. And what we asked for is just, if, if you think this player's rating is uh, significantly off and then they can, they can provide the feedback as to, to why the, the source of, of their, their opinion, whether it's something that their coach told them or a rival coach or maybe an in-person evaluation by that, by that recruiting analyst, but, but it's been great. And um, we don't always agree with some, uh, we, we got a pretty good chuckle out of one the other day in a rankings meeting, but we had two, uh, who were actually unrated players that we that we had not uh, not rated yet, who we ended up making like mid-level four stars, and and I I love that because that means we're identifying players as a network earlier, and we're getting ratings on kids, we're getting profiles made for kids, you know, earlier. And I like when I got here, so we should try to find some way uh, to leverage our our team site network. Obviously, without having a 300-person Zoom call, because we have so many good people in our network, you got to find a way uh, to manage it. So the feedback on that has been has been pretty strong. You just put together a series on kind of checking in on the schedule of five-star prospects from the 2019 class that included Brandon Smith, Lance Dixon, uh, who were reserves last year. Brandon uh, burned his red shirt. Lance Dixon took a red shirt. Uh, but looking ahead to the 2020, uh, 2021 five stars. Caleb Williams is a name on the mind of a lot of Nittany Lions fans right now. He included the program in his top five. Oklahoma is the crystal ball leader. And then Christian Veyu, um, out of Canada, playing school in Potomac, Maryland. He is, uh, he's got a top five out as well, or top four, I should say. It also includes Penn State. It feels like if they don't get either of those guys, there's going to be a reassessment. They're going to have to go after somebody new, a name that we're not talking about right now. You always monitor the QB dominoes closely. What's your read on these guys and maybe where Penn State stands? So with, with Williams, I, first of all, I really like him as a prospect a whole lot. His, his highlight film is interesting because it, it, he has some great runs on there 
and he has a lot of really great throws on there, and it's it's really impressive to watch. I he's our number one quarterback uh, in our, in our rankings right now. I and I think he has a chance uh, to hold on to that. Uh, in watching a highlight film, I, I wanted to see a little bit more as far as like the ball coming out on time in rhythm, you know, just just off the drop back because most of the highlights were sort of scramble based, but. A lot of that's not his fault. His offensive line would allow pressure uh, almost immediately, pretty frequently, and, and he dealt with it. Uh, he dealt with it quite well. So it, it's hard to ding him, you know, too much for that. And he's he's pretty clearly a, a a special prospect. I I do think Oklahoma is is probably there in the lead for him. Um, they don't seem to be recruiting other quarterbacks like as serious backup plans. So you have to think Oklahoma believes. It's getting him uh, right now. I I thought LSU was was going to be the, the number two for him there uh, when I spoke with him at the Future Fifty event, but uh, I I don't know that LSU is necessarily the two now. I I don't know who I'd point to actually as a clear two. Um, the one cool thing I I I always thought when I came over, I was like, okay, there's some these pieces that I write that I want to keep writing, and then. Part of my job is coming up with ideas and, and giving ideas to other guys on a recruiting team to you know to try and make it a little bit more creative if we can. And uh, the one piece I really thought would, would just be tailor-made for Steve Wiltfong, who's our big-time insider, was the quarterback dominoes piece. Because he does nothing but talk to coaches all day, right? Like the, Steve's phone is just constantly blowing up. And so I gave it to him, and I, I think he wrote an even better QB dominoes this year uh, than than I've ever produced, and it's it's really really good. So I I would encourage everybody to read that. I I actually don't have um, a read on on where Christian's going to go. Unfortunately, I I haven't looked into that actually that much. It's an interesting one because he picked up offers from LSU and Clemson last week. He did not include uh, LSU in that top four, but Clemson's in there and, and a very appealing option. And uh, so we'll continue to monitor those two. But looking at the current roster for Penn State. Um, but you have been, uh, you know, I, I loved following the blue chip ratio, uh, conversation year in, year out. And it always seemed, uh, Penn state steadily on the rise, steadily on the rise, breaking through that threshold. Can you give our listeners a, a, just a brief overview of what that blue chip ratio is about and, and kind of where Penn state is compared to, to say where they were in the early years of the Franklin area era? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So the, the blue chip ratio, I, I just went back and looked basically since the start of the BCS uh, and what was the minimum level, minimum level you needed to recruit at over the prior four years to, to win a national title. And what we figured out was that if you want to be really safe and, and capture all the teams that probably could do it, uh, you need to sign more four and five stars than two and three stars over a four year period. It's really just that simple. Sign more blue chips, four and five stars than you do two and three stars over a four-year period. And every team that since the BCS started that's won a national title has done so. And I, I use the composite for this now. I used to use a different network you know, back, back when I started it because 24-7 wasn't really around back then. Uh, but but it, it's, it's held true uh, regardless of, of the data set there. Penn State used to be down in like the 30% range as far as what percentage of, of their prospects were blue chips. And I actually think they might have been a little bit lower when I first started tracking this, just they were coming off uh, of, of the sanctions. But James Franklin and his staff have done a tremendous job rising up every single year. Uh, either 2018 or 2019, I'm trying to remember which, uh, was the first year that Penn State actually broke through and got above 
that 50% mark. I think it might have been, was it this past year or, or was it two years ago? I'm, I'm trying to remember now. I think it was when uh, they signed Micah Parsons class in 2018. It was it was historically their best class on record for the composite era. Gotcha. Okay, so yeah, and, and Penn State has has stuck there. Like they're they're not going anywhere. They are doing a really good job in recruiting. They had another nice class they signed, you know, this year. So they're they're I think on that list of teams that can absolutely win a national title if, if everything goes right for them. I will have to say though. For them, unfortunately, and, and this is not a not a thing where it's like, you know, hey, one team has a 70% blue chip ratio and the other team is a 60, so I'm going to automatically pick the 70. I, I don't think that's how it works. It's more of like a necessary but not sufficient condition, you know, to, to winning one. You have to be, you have to get over the 50% mark, but you don't have to necessarily be at the very top of those ratings. But right now, Ohio State is recruiting like coronavirus doesn't exist somehow. And I know their campus is closed down, but like they are just their class right now is is insane. And I think they have a really good shot to land to land JC Latham, the the offensive tackle who you know Barton Simmons wrote about re- recently for us at twenty four seven Sports, and how he's probably going to get a big bump up in the ratings. Uh, we we got to see him you know recently at the Orlando camp before all the camps got shut down, and, and he was he was pretty dominant and has unreal ability like Ohio State has a chance to, to end up with like maybe four or five stars in their class when, when all is said and done maybe five that they're like the, I don't know if you guys have looked at this but the gap between Ohio State and the number two team is like the same as the gap between the 20th team and the number 50 team yeah our listeners have been quite aware of the process and a couple of Penn State running back targets picking Penn State obviously Julian Fleming uh, in the most recent cycle leaving Pennsylvania and uh, Ohio State has been the, the you know the, the brick wall for a lot of teams in the big Ten the last few years and uh, Penn State has has been one of those teams that has not been able to break down that door a couple one-point losses in 17 and 18 and then last year, uh, tried to, to mount a comeback in the second half in Columbus and ultimately to no avail. And so Ohio State, three straight Big Ten titles. You look at the way they were recruiting. It's not going to get any easier for that path, whether it's Penn State or Michigan uh, or anyone coming out of that West. So uh, that's something something that everyone's going to have to address in the conference because they, you're right. They're, it's, it's as though nothing is is on pause for them right now with recruiting. It's 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 pretty it's pretty impressive. Um, in terms of Penn State getting back, I uh, Try to try to take, end on a rosier note, I guess. Um, you actually, uh, you, in your next episode of Bud and, uh, Barton and Bud, uh, the Barton and Bud podcast, by the way, it's Barton Simmons, the director of scouting at 24-7 Sports. You heard him on this podcast uh, right after signing day in December. Uh, always a great conversation with him. You get him and Bud at the same time breaking things down. And, and, and you said the next episode that I would encourage our listeners to check out. It'll be up probably around the same time this conversation is up. You do throw a little bit of love to the Nittany Lions. I, I do, yeah. So I came up with this idea. Barton and I were like, man, we, we got to think of an idea to talk about this week. We don't want to talk about coronavirus anymore because people are just tired of hearing about that, right? They want to use podcast as an escape. And, and we have a lot of stuff planned for the NFL draft show uh, coming up next week. But we had to think about something. And I was like, well, what if we draft teams to make the college football playoff? And so we, we thought about it and said, all right, let's do eight rounds. We'll each, you know, one pick per round. And uh, the winner gets, you know, the, the loser has to donate $100 to, to, the, uh, to the winner of the charity's choice. And the tiebreaker, if we both end up with two playoff teams, 
will be uh, will be whoever has teams make make the most uh, New Year's Six bowls. So I thought thought that was kind of a neat idea. You know, basically you make a pick and then you talk about it, and then the other guy says, "Yeah, I like that pick," or "No, that pick's terrible." And uh, I ended up with Penn State. I, I, I took Penn State at pick number twelve overall. Um, I, I really like them. Barton took Ohio State with a third overall pick, and and so I, I wanted to go ahead and lock up uh, the team that that I think is is pretty clearly the number two in the Big Ten, a team that I think is going to have a dynamite defense, uh, and they they get they get Ohio State at home this year. So like this is an opportunity for Penn State to to make some noise, and and I was extremely pleased that Penn State was still available for me there at the number 12 pick. And, and then we kind of had a little talk, like, do you really think Clifford is capable of winning a national title? And I said, not really. No, I mean, I, I don't really trust him to, to do that, but could he make the playoff? Sure. Yeah. I mean, like Clemson made the playoff with Kelly Bryant as a quarterback in 2018. And Kelly Bryant's not anything special, but what was a the recipe? They had some good playmakers on the outside. They ran the ball pretty effectively they didn't turn it over too much, and they had a dynamite front seven. And then they ultimately, they made the playoffs. Bama waxed them in round one because they couldn't couldn't move the ball. But like, if that Clemson team can make the playoff in 2018, why can't this Penn State team? Now, the answer might be, well, they have to play Ohio State, and Clemson didn't have to play Ohio State, and that's that's fair. Uh, but like, I see some similarities there. Like this Penn State defense, unless I'm missing something, should be pretty nasty. No, unless they lose something along the way, as we're not seeing them all spring and in the summer, uh, expectations are high for the defense. And I think uh, our listeners and, and, our, and our folks on our message boards would certainly agree that that Clifford is the X factor. And he's the guy that a lot of people have hopes with Kirk Shiraka now here and what he accomplished last year in Minnesota with Tanner Morgan, that a leap would be in store. But, but obviously the time away from the football field, not actually getting to work with him uh, physically on the football field this spring detrimental to, to the development there potentially. But uh, I really appreciate the insight. Uh, again, I encourage people to check out Barton and Bud. That's a, a relatively new podcast just in the past few weeks. So check out the old episodes, the new ones. You'll get a, a large scope of college football and certainly of, of the recruiting process uh, from both these guys. But hopefully we'll have you on again sooner rather than later. But really appreciate you giving us so much time today. Tyler, happy to do it and just you know ping me when the episode's up and I'll I'll, uh, I'll put it down on Twitter as well, guys. Enjoy being on here. All right, take care. All right, take care, buddy. Once again, we appreciate Bud coming on the show. Won't be the last we hear from him on the Lions twenty four seven podcast. And if you want to hear more from him, he's got the Bud and Barton podcast going right now from twenty four seven Sports Podcast Network. It's him. It's twenty four seven Sports Director of Scouting Barton Simmons, who you would have heard here on Signing Day as he broke down the Penn State recruiting class. Both of those guys provide great insight. I'm fortunate enough to have spent a lot of camps in the past six seven years alongside those guys hearing their observations and just you know having conversations about what's going on in the field, what's going on across college football, and, and lucky enough right now to call them colleagues at 24-7 Sports altogether uh, in our mission to bring you the best in college football coverage. Um, that's going to do it for this edition of the Lions 24-7 Podcast. We'll be back later here in the week with our second episode. Remember, we're going twice a week right now. Um, later, you're going to hear about potentially commitment, maybe commitments. We're planning on having Alan Treyu. Uh, 
who covers uh, all across the Big Ten territory, uh, recruiting for 24-7 sports, but specifically in that Michigan market. That's his bread and butter. We're going to learn a lot from him later on this uh, this week. And then additionally, we'll get into some possible defensive breakouts for the 2020 Penn State team. Which players are on the rise and how important will that factor in for the Nittany Lions defense moving forward? Look ahead to all of that. Don't forget to follow us, rate us, review us on iTunes and everywhere else you get your podcast. It matters. It helps us out, especially the positive reviews. So uh, on behalf of Sean, I'm Tyler Donahue. Thanks, as always, for tuning in to the Lions 24-7 podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.